You want to count me down? Three, two, one. Welcome go. back to the. Oh, not a Jesus go! Fuck. Jesus, you never say Christ. one. He said go. He said three, two, one, go. Well, and you don't even do that. You never say go, and you never say three, one. Two, one. Here's your cold open. Three. Welcome back to the unrestricted. Vex, Bob, and RC. Hey, we nailed the open. We wow, sure it did. It took like five or six takes. Uh, you're going to have to put all that garbage in the cold open so people know what the heck we're oh talking my. about. Holy Moses. It takes a lot just to get this show off the ground, folks. Oh, well, it's early. <laughs> it is. It is. Must be a lot of downforce in the air or something. Hey, man, huge week in the city of San Antonio. Um, it, one of the fathers of San Antonio sport, Red McCombs, passed away uh, this week at the age of 95, which I think is just awesome that he got 95 years. I think most of them very good years out of a out of a life spent, you know, really, really moving fast as a businessman mm-hmm. and as a human being. Really, really a cool uh, tribute in the Express News. Uh, I've seen cool tributes on Facebook and, uh, you know, uh, rest in power. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, married for 59 years. His wife died about three years ago. Mm -hmm. Three kids born here in Texas. Yeah. Major philanthropy. Huge philanthropist. I mean, the Macomb School of Business at UT Austin. Sure. Uh, He is the father of San Antonio professional sports. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Champion of uh, the city and and champion of sport. You know, I really hope that one day we look back at him as the grandfather of San Antonio sport, not the father of it. Like, I hope there's somebody else to kind of take on that mantle uh, because I, you know, I don't want it to be Michael Dell. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe more of an Austinite than a San Antonian. What was Um, crazy is, is I went to the rodeo, the same show you went to. Yeah. Alabama AARP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. Holy cow. Alabama. They were old when we first started listening to them, like in the late 80s, early 90s, but they were ancient on the stock show and rodeo stage the other night. Bob, at one point, the lead singer said, Where am I? <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. <laughs> nah. He was serious. Did I hear you say or in pre-show that McCombs' uh, funeral has been moved to Tobin Center? The Tobin Center wow. will be hosting as a celebration of life. Okay. So 10 a.m. on Monday morning, if, you, if you're local, I'm assuming it's come one, come all. I mean, you can seat 1,700, 1,800 people in that place. Yeah, well, it's an interesting time timing of, of Red's death as the XFL came to San Antonio just a couple of days prior to his passing and sold 24,000 seats? Twice as many tickets as any other XFL game last weekend. That's amazing. And we're going to get a little bit into the XFL a little bit later in the show. But we want to start with this because it's basically been a year since the Live Golf defection from the PGA Tour. And I know that lots of people in our circles are really into full swing. And I told you yesterday, Richie. Pun intended. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I told you yesterday, I'm going to binge it, and I was supposed to binge it last night, and I got through two episodes and I passed out. I'm sorry. It start, you know, it started too late. My Less bad. alcohol. But you two are into it. Uh, what are your takeaways? I am, I'm surprised at how much they are soft-shoeing the Live Golf storyline. 
they're I mean they're not coming out hard against live golf. I mean they are they are saying you know the, the quotes from the players about this is sports washing and and some of the press conference footage, but the actual show, the actual commentators, the actual script is soft soft shoeing around the live golf issue. Interesting. I think that they're just recording what is transpiring in real time because when you see the the recordings of the actual live events, those. Especially the first event that was in England, in London, those reporters are coming hard after the golfers. Oh, yeah. And the golfers are just sitting up there just smiling. And at the end of the day, they're like, look, I'm not here to make a political statement. We don't condone atrocities against any group of people. Sure. Yeah, they had the Phil Mickelson comment in there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Phil, Phil looks more and more like a baboon. Um, cop uh, Kepka looks like a total ass. Oh yeah. my yeah. god! I he got looks through, like an ass. He, I got through the Kepka episode. He he looks like a guy who's at the back end of his career and is grasping onto anything that's going to make him money to pay for that gorgeous freaking mansion on the canal. That's funny that you thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was really tacky and disgusting. But okay, now, so it, Jupiter, of, Florida, is... kind of like his wife. Tacky yeah. and disgusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. No, like, I know I... she's a fitness model and whatever. Here's my two cents, and I'm only through episode two. But my biggest takeaway is that Jenna Sims will not be good looking in five more years. She has she has a finite amount of time before she wilts like a flower. So explain... she's got Madonna syndrome. Yes, yes. <laughs> so she's gonna be ugly so in like five minutes, and Brooks is gonna regret it. Wear but that bathing suit while you can. Exactly. That butt's gonna drop like a freak, <laughs> like just an old, weathered, busted out hooker. Yes, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Mark my words. Sorry, Jenna Sims, if you're listening. Yeah, but, I'm sure she is. No, but ex- explain this to me. So, so the storyline is, is and she admits it. I broke into his DMs and we started talking back and forth. And yeah. So why is it okay for a beautiful woman to do that to a man, but if a man does that to a woman? He's up on charges. Bro, you are not a beautiful man. Okay, there's a big difference. You, sir, are no fitness model. Yes, I'm sorry. If you were, then I think it's okay to slide in, right? I mean, that's the what, what girls will always tell you. There's hey, a, words hurt. There, there's, there's a sliding scale of what you can get away with based on how attracted they are to you from moment one. Right? Like, uh, sorry, if you're creepy and you got a lazy eye. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Bob doesn't have a lazy eye. He's very attentive. I shouldn't have said you. <laughs> if one, if you, Bob, have a lazy eye and it's wandering, I, you're probably not going to get away with a whole lot, you know, on your one? pickup line. Hold on again. With, with the lazy eye, is it the good eye that's wandering or is it the lazy eye that's just walking around? Because no. I don't have control over the lazy eye. <laughs> <laughs> you got one of each. You pretty much look like an iguana. You've got a 50 50 chance of focusing yes oh, <laughs> no look kepka looks like a guy who is holding on to the reins too tight he okay? just looks like an asshole and he also looks like an asshole but i think we all knew brooks was an asshole if you paid any attention to golf i think everybody knew brooks yeah. was an arrogant ass before the show what i took away from it was that he is gripping like hard yeah he was freaking out and and what he did to himself okay and and they didn't do a good enough job, and maybe this speaks, Bob, to what you were talking about with with um, the show addressing the live situation, is there doesn't seem to be a narrator that brings things back to reality rather than just 
what the players are saying. Because, in fact, Brooks put this shit on himself. Oh, yeah. He was the guy who went out there before the U.S. Open, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. at at Bethpage Black and said, basically, I'm only competing against like seven or eight other guys. And, And, I mean, he really believed that like he had a certain DNA that 90% of the tour just didn't have. Dude, that's bullshit. And when you talk that way against the game, baseball players are kind of freaky deaky like this too. Baseball players and golfers are like, dude, don't. The golf gods are going to hear you. Mm -hmm. And I think the golf gods heard Brooks Kepka. For sure. He's holding on way too tight. And it was interesting because I've listened to a few people talk about this idea of flow in sports. That the more you get into your head, the worse you're going to play. And it was this idea, you know, if you're playing like tennis against somebody, you actually, as you're crossing, if you want to fuck with them, you don't trash talk. You go, man, how did you make that shot? Because then they got in their head. They start thinking about it. How did I make that shot? (laughs) Well, and and that's where where Kepka is. The show makes me like DJ more. Interesting. Than I did before. Tell me why, because I'm not there yet in the show. Because he's... he's Pretty brutally honest. Okay. Without being a dick. How so? So he says, he's like, look, golf's hard. Yeah, it is. And I'm, he doesn't say this. The, the, the show producers kind of say this for him. He's a specimen. Yeah. He's a beast. He, he was a really good baseball player. Yeah. Played football, played basketball. His brother, who's an absolute fucking nine iron. <laughs> Said no, Brooks could have played. He or not Brooks, sorry. DJ could have gone pro and or could have gone gotten a scholarship to play baseball, to play basketball. Yeah, but he, he chose golf, and he said you can't overthink it, and that's a good thing for him. But the reason that he said you think Scotty Scheffler right now is thinking about anything yeah. when he gets over the ball? Yeah, no, he's just playing. You get in the zone and you just play. You have maybe one swing thought. And then you, 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 let, you let all the years of practice take over. In my experience um, around good golfers, there's only two kinds that are really, truly exceptional. And that's geniuses and idiots. <laughs> there's I'm no dead serious. Between. There's yeah. not a lot of in-between. Yeah. Uh, David Duvall kind of famously, like, probably couldn't even spell his own last name. Well, it's right? French. It's, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Is it French? I don't know. Bob? Duvalier. (laughs) Phil Mickelson, extremely smart, right? Uh, Tiger Woods, extremely smart. Um, There seems to be a a pretty wide gap between that sort of lovable idiot who really doesn't want to think about what they're doing and therefore they can succeed and the genius who really takes it Bryson DeChambeau being another example of, of one of the guys on that end. Bubba Watson being another guy on that end of the spectrum. Uh, quite literally with Bubba. Um, you know, you got to be kind of one or the other. Yeah. Because if you're thinking about it too much, you can't, you can't perform. You're done. Yeah. Um, you were saying DJ was honest. Did he, did he talk about, you know, lying in bed with, with the Saudis at all? No. And I don't even think his limited... Uh, mental capacity goes there. He said, look, I've, I've played at a high level for a long time. I've been a pro since I was 23 years old. Yeah. I've won. I've won master. Or, did he win a master's? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. And I, I've, Blowout. Okay. And, and I've, I've won the big tournaments. And now 
I'm at a point in my life, I'm 36, where you're telling me I have to work less and make more money. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, it doesn't sound bad. He said, I, I pose that question to anybody in any job. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah, that makes sense. That adds up, okay? And, yeah, he's 36. You might as well. I think the same goes for most of those guys. They can rationalize going over there pretty easily. Well, and one of the funny things is is I, the PGA Tour really leans into legacy. What about all our, uh, the founders of the game, the legacy, sure. the Jacks and the Lee Trevinos, and even further back, Bobby the, Jones. Sure. And and they asked DJ Point Blake, what, what's your legacy? And he said, I don't give a shit. <laughs> and I really honestly think he doesn't. Yeah, I, I he probably doesn't. But conversely, Ian Poulter, yeah. who made the jump at 46 and he wasn't playing good golf and he was ranked 158 or something, he really does care about legacy. He's He he wants the captain in the Ryder Cup team. Yeah. And he's not going to get to. Nope. Nope. And he shouldn't. Sorry. Well, in this year, and, and you'll know this, Jeff, better than me, last year those guys got to play in the majors. This year they're not going to get to, are they? Did the live guys play? They, yes, they did. They yeah. They got to play so all in all of them. They played. They, they played play all the majors. They played all of the ones that they qualified for. Right. And that's and that's kind of where I think they're going to go this year. If they qualify, they get to play. You can't keep them out of the opens because they're open. But they're going to have to go to they're North Carolina ha- in and, and get quali- to school. Right. Yeah. And then, but the British. The British is different, isn't it? They no, can- same. British Open, it's an same, open. same thing. It's an open championship, but you automatically qualify if you're, I forget what the number is, top 75 in the world uh, on the money list, right? And none of these guys will be on the top because 75. Because it doesn't count. Because it doesn't count. They're playing in a vacuum. Money, their live money doesn't count. That's right. What uh, What's the skinny with Augusta? Nothing yet. And that is that is like... That's the fork in the road, and we're coming to it, right? That's Real first soon. weekend in April, and we don't know. It's a month away. Yeah. Uh, well, two. Mm. <laughs> okay. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Uh, anyhow, that's the fork in the road, and what Augusta says and does is definitely the biggest power play in all the all of the tour's existence. And right? they can do whatever they want. And they will. They can do whatever they want, but I want to be a fly on the wall between the management at Augusta and, and the management of the PGA talking because there's got to be furious phone calls going back and forth. I would imagine so. I mean, I, I would certainly think that the PGA Tour is putting their two cents in, but I think the PGA Tour knows not to step on the toes of Augusta National because if you do, Augusta's just going to say, okay, forget it. Now we're a live event. Yeah, and there's only three three majors. Yeah, <laughs> have fun with yeah. that. Now the one that they can't play in is the PGA, right? Right. Yep. Right. Because that's the when they have full it. the full control of. Yep. Well, no. Well, y- yes and no. Just remember the PGA Tour is not the PGA Championship, though they have very very close ties. They are not exactly the same organization. Exactly. Very true. Though I mean, getting back to legacy and you know talking about full swing a little bit more. Full Swing seems like it's definitely leaning in towards that legacy story as they're giving us storylines of the up-and-comers, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, uh, Sahith Tagala or Mito Pereira, those rookies, and they're telling those rookie stories to get us involved and 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 
invested in, in these young guys, rookies who are coming up on the tour, building the next part of the legacy of the PGA Tour. I think the show, for what it is, is, is really great for the brand of golf, the sport. Uh, I think it is probably going to do what that F1 series did uh, for a lot of people. And you you were a big fan of the F1 mm-hmm. series. Yep. Do you feel like Full Swing is comparing fa- favorably to the F1 or, or, or not? I actually think, I mean, from a presentation, this is a prettier. Mm. It's a it, it's a more vibrant. The, the colors are more vibrant. I like the stories. I like the interviews better. There is less conflict baked into this series full swing between players and tour officials or whatever you want. Drive had a lot more of that conflict. Now there's a lot more conflict in F1. I think this is this is more enjoyable to watch. That's interesting because I would have guessed that it was the opposite because I, I've been around golfers most of my whole life. I got to say, golfers are pretty boring. Okay? Uh I'm sorry, Scotty Scheffler Great guy, great human being, great husband, great golfer. He's boring as all hell. But they stayed away from those boring storylines. I mean, there so was he, too much Scotty Scheffler for me. I'll I mean, tell you that. I mean, so, well, keep going because yeah, he's at the top of the leaderboard, but he's not the top interview. No, he's not. That's right. I mean, it's kind of like having Tim Duncan as the best player in the NBA. I mean, yeah, he's great, but good luck getting any flash from him. The yeah. sound bites aren't always great. Yeah. Uh, and and frankly, I mean, you know, they're like a bunch of frat guys. Frankly, boring frat guys too. That that actually is so. Rich and I were talking beforehand. I watched this and I'm like, going, these guys are a bunch of frat bros. And Rich is like, yeah, they never went to a frat. So <laughs> this is their right. time. This is their frat. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but ima- like a but kind of a lame frat. Like like not a party hard frat. Like like you know. They're not KAs. <laughs> the, the days of John Daly are in the past. They really are. I mean, not I that mean, those these guys, guys don't have these some guys, fun. They, it, but they all have trainers. Um, and that's something funny. Is, is if, if you were to write the synopsis, it's like interview, golf, gym, repeat. Yeah. Yeah. Nutritionist. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, some are dumpier than others, but they're all doing things to try to increase the longevity and the performance of their game. It's it's interesting. I mean, look, golf has come a long way since the days of John Daly and, and several others. I mean, Arnold Palmer would smoke a pack out there, you know, uh, and I, I kind of miss that. If yeah. I'm being honest, yeah. I do. I, I, I wish there were a couple more characters that were in that in that lane. Well, Joel's pretty cool. So Joel has to qualify for the U.S. Open. OK. And he goes to wherever. And he's got he's got to play like fucking seventy holes in a day. He finishes the first finished, round and then, and then he goes, goes and crushes some white claws at lunch. Oh, now th- now we're talking. Yeah, more stories like that. He's just a normal dude with his ugly bucket hat, and his caddy is one of his best friends. And his caddy is like, "Look, you're good, and I'm going to be your caddy. You need to hire me, huh? Because." <laughs> Why? Because because we're buddies, and I'll keep you focused. And I'm okay. gonna and I'm gonna sell my car and buy a Civic. He was living out of his car. <laughs> Holy God! Caddy and for he needed this job. His yeah, first year the caddy made eighty four bucks. Oh God, that's rough. I hit balls next to Joel Damon in Scottsdale once. By the way, he seemed like a pretty nice guy. He's, He's a good dude. Very self deprecating. He's like, yeah, maybe top seventy in the world. No, they asked him, I'm "Do you think you'll ever win a major?" He goes, "Fuck no." Really? Yeah. Well, that's and brutally then he goes, honest. Then he goes to the. He qualifies. He goes to the murders row. Gets into the 
to the open, and I think he's a top five. Tears it up. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. No, look, most of those guys on any given week can sneak up into the top ten. You just get the putter hot. Really, truly. I mean, the list might be 250 players long now where, you know, 25 years ago that list was really only like 80. Yeah. That could that could top ten. I mean, the, the the sport is deeper than it's ever been. It's more talented than it's ever been. You guys mentioned that people take it more seriously. The Joel Damons of the world aside, uh, you know, pe- even Joe works out. He does now yeah. at a Planet Fitness, <laughs> 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 where he has to bring his own towel. Uh, you know, are, do they go into that? Those kind of guys, you know, journeymen. Uh, a little bit, but the, the journeyman of old is not necessarily a thing. Okay, like, their journeyman now is the kid from Chile, that that is a rookie at twenty six. Yeah, Mito. Mito, and so, but is he really a, a journeyman? No, like he he grew up playing with Neymar. Neymar is younger, um, and he was the shit in Chile, and then he quit golf for four years. Huh? He just stopped playing. <laughs> That's not good for your career. But he's back, and then he made a, a, a run at the PGA. Like, he should have won. He should have won. I, mean, I remember he, that. He gave it up. He gave it he up on the He doubles the last hole. I remember that. He had the lead. Yeah. He should have hit it a fucking foreign in the middle of the fairway at 18, uh, chipped up. Yeah, and par. Yeah, and, and that, double. And, and that he was makes it, par, he wins. Yeah, and that was interesting because it was in the same episode where they were talking with Sahit Tagala. And yep. he and Sahit had the same problem on the last hole in a tournament that, that he was competing for. Yep. And the announcers kind of made the same thing. It's like too much adrenaline, club down, because you're just going to rack this shit. Was that the waste management for yeah. Tagala? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that tournament. Um, yeah. Good so, guy. Sahith, good guy. I root for that kid. He, he. I haven't seen the episode yet, but he seems to be a really cool dude. Yeah. And it, fan favorite. You guys were talking about the caddy relationship with Damon. Do they go into caddies a whole lot? Just that episode. Ah, they need they need a full episode on that. And if they do it again, they they need to do that because there's it, there is the weirdest hierarchy and and uh, it's like a caste system on the PGA Tour. I I did get to caddy in a PGA Tour event once for Gene Williams who. Uh, Monday qualified into the Texas Open, and I was on his back. So did you have to get up on a step stool to get the clubs Very out Very funny, I guess. <laughs> did they yes. get you one of those small little bags? No, they did not. I had like a full pro bag. <laughs> did, you, did you get to use a, a walking cart? <laughs> <laughs> did you have to say, Gene, slow up play. I got to burn a heater. <laughs> I was told that I looked pretty funny out there being like a five-foot-five caddy carrying a huge bag and smoking heaters behind the players. What? Was it one of the ba- the bag that Rodney Dangerfield had? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Club sheets out. That was the only bag Gene had. It was like a 15-year-old bag. It wasn't even like ultralight, you know? But <laughs> being out there, you realize real quick that they don't want the caddies. The caddies are second-class citizens. Mm-hmm. They don't want the caddies anywhere near where the players hang out. I mean, the restaurants, the locker rooms, it. Clearly says players only. Caddies need not apply. Yeah. Now, it's funny because their coaches can go in. Their nutritionists might be able to go in. I'm not sure. What if you fancy yourself as both? <laughs> I mean, so that's, that's kind of where and I was going to go. some of them are. That's where I was going to go, is that a really good caddy is more than just a looper, right? Yeah. You're, you're a psychologist. You're a friend. 
You're reading putts. You're reading, yeah, you are part of the game. And it is the weirdest thing to, to be on the PGA Tour. And they literally had a caddy shack, a trailer, where the caddies to, to go hang out and eat. A trailer, okay? I mean, talk about perfect. It's like total white trash, trailer stuck to the side, keep it away from the players and the fans. Don't even let them see the caddies. And my understanding is, is that on the live tour, caddies are treated much better. Yeah. First-class citizens. That's something well, no, PGA. no, no, hold it. They're not citizens. It is Saudi Arabia. Okay, but they're, they're treated first class, but not citizens. <laughs> right. Uh, you're right. Good correction. I hope the PGA Tour makes that correction. Well, so you talk about what has come with Liv, and they, they talk about it in the, the last episode. The last episode is an homage to Rory. Nice. Because he, he turns it around and he wins the, the Players' Championship. Mm-hmm. That's the only one you need to win. That's 18 million bucks right there. <laughs> the others are great, but that's salad dress, table dressing compared to that, the purse of the last one. So what has happened because of live? Purses are up. Yeah. And now they're looking at um, everybody gets paid if you go to the tournament. Yeah, I think, I think both of those things are great outcomes. I'm not sure that those things would not have eventually happened. Well, they talk about that, but everything needs a catalyst, right? It, and, and it does. I can't understand for the life of me. I'll never understand why the guys, Phil Mickelson, the leaders, Rory McIlroy, the leaders of the tour, didn't just go to the tour and say, look, this is ridiculous. Like, we need some guaranteed money for showing up. We do, to cover our expenses. We need a bump in purses. You guys are making plenty. I mean, this reminds me, it reminds me very much of the NIL stuff with the NCAA and and. March Madness, right? You, you, you see the television contract of March Madness, and it's like $4 billion. And you say, wait, but you, the guys who are playing aren't paid? Like, how long before that scale tips, right? And you say, well, okay, we, we do need to disperse some of that money. They the, needed a push. Yeah, and, and, and it was an ongoing storyline. I mean, I heard it more than once where the players were talking about, or the narrators were talking about, you got cut. You didn't get paid. Yeah, yeah. and you, it's you funny needed to make the cut because they, they had a, a lot of time was spent on Ian Poulter, and uh, he fancies himself as this wild child kind of rebellion. I, I really truly hate Ian Poulter. I don't know if does I he hate come, him. Does he come across as easily hateable, like a, punchable face, the whole deal? Just kind of a clown dick. Yeah, I don't care for him. But he's complaining and he throws a tantrum in the locker room, like he missed three cuts in a row. And he's like, yeah, you know, it sucks. You know, you don't get paid. And then he's getting on a private jet to go home. It's like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, and by the way, Ian, lots of us work on deals for four days that, that wind up going belly up and you don't get paid. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're nodding your head hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't, let that, don't let that skull fall off. Yeah, a lot, I mean, of, lot of practice work out there before you, think, you get paid, Ian. There sure is. I mean, I'm sorry, Ian. Welcome to the fucking real world. Um. I think, I think one day, and Liv is not going to last forever, but I think that one day we will look back at Liv as something that influenced the PGA Tour into a better direction. And it kind of reminds me of the way the USFL, decades ago, influenced the NFL to up their game. I mean, remember, the two-point conversion did not exist mm-hmm. in the NFL. Running quarterbacks did not exist in the NFL. And the USFL came along 
and really did influence the way uh, the NFL was played. A decade before that, um, you know, <laughs> you had the ABA. Uh, shout out to Red for moving the chaparrales from Dallas to San Antonio. Um, you had the ABA influence the NBA. We wouldn't have the three-point rule without it. Exactly. And then, do we see any opportunity for the XFL? You went to the game. No, I didn't go to the game, but, oh, I, I'm sorry. I, but, but I watched a fair amount of, of the games this past week. Did you see anything that maybe the NFL might snag? And what say? are some of the wacky – because there's wacky stuff that's going on, right? What? The, there is some wacky stuff. The, the whole – there's no point after kick. It's, it's all an actual play, and depending on whether you go from the 1, 3, or 10, it's 1.2.3 points. Do they have field goals? Uh, yes, they do have field goals. Okay, so there still is a kicker on the roster. There is still a kicker on the do. roster. The the kickoff is actually something where I could see the NFL looking at. What so, did they do? So the kickoff, the team, the, the coverage and the receive team line up about, it's either 5 or 10, I can't remember. And they line up at like the 30 or 40 of the receiving team. The okay. kicker's back kicking from his normal spot, and the receiver is down there by the goal line. Okay. Coverage team is not allowed to move off the line until the receiver catches the ball so you only have 10 yards of actual acceleration Mm -hmm. so the hits are lighter you're not running that risk of injury you're having the better chance of a breakout kickoff return but generally not and so that's interesting the other thing that i like about it which i've said on this show i've said everywhere i wish the nfl had a sky judge yeah that was actually integrated into the crew and that's what the XFL did. And the, the leagues previously have done this, too, where that's been part of the broadcast. Mm-hmm. So you're hearing the sky judge ruminate, going, okay, I'm looking at it this way, looking at it this way. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see where the ball is down. Okay, that's a good catch. Cool. Confirmed. Cool. That does sound like something the NFL might want to adopt. For the kickoff thing, it, it sounds really cool, and it sounds like uh, a safer alternative for everybody, except for the kicker who's back there 30 yards back and has the possibility of just getting trucked by an entire receiving team. No, he's he's going to be the guard from the Holy Grail. Oh my just God. go in. Yes. <laughs> I mean, literally, he's going to dig himself a hole like an armadillo. No, you just kick it and walk right off the field. I mean, he really do. Yeah. Send in the dog that mm. used to fetch the uh, the place to get the team. Yes. You go tackle him there, Fido. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that dog that used to go get the the, the the tea? Yeah. I think that was in Houston, wasn't it? Am I crazy for thinking that? You're crazy. It was but a long you might time ago. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well. Um, I can't believe twenty-four thousand. That's I great. I just can't believe it. Twenty-four thousand and that San Antonio team lost the team lost the game just like every other good Texas professional <laughs> football team. A minute up and a half left. Fifteen up fifteen three. We see the first three point conversion. On a point after nice. for a football team in the XFL it was the last game of the weekend. So where do they where do they go from the it, ten or something? The ten. Okay. So AJ McCarron played really crappy until the end of the game. He played really good the last two minutes for the Battle Hawks, and then they have their onside kick, which is a fourth and fifteen, a a, a one chance to to cover fifteen yards from your own twenty five. That's their version of the onside kick. Oh, okay. And the Battle Hawks converted that, and they ran down and they scored again. So they. The Brahmas lost eighteen to fifteen. Mm. Who's the quarterback for the Brahmas? AJ McCarron is that what no AJ McCarron's oh, Battle Hawks. I don't Louis. know. See, that's a problem. Heinz <laughs> <laughs> Ward is the coach. That's that's yeah, all I that's know. That's really cool. And San Antonio gets the championship game, right? 
their version of the Super Bowl. I think I think I, I read that. Think so yeah, yeah. So the Rock likes San Antonio. Apparently so. He was going on and on about how he got his professional start here in town. Okay, I don't remember that. Uh, he was a gunslinger. <laughs> no professional wrestling start. Oh, uh, that's what he said. Okay, I, I don't know what it actually means. If it was the first time he actually was a WWF wrestler at the, I don't know. Um, 24,000, I am surprised, but not like floored. I think we have said this on this podcast before, and it's certainly what I've believed for a long time. San Antonio can support professional football. I don't know, and I don't think San Antonio can support professional baseball. That's 81 home games. Uh, professional basketball is obviously hard. That's 41 home games. Um, but if you're only given eight, to 12 home games, I think it becomes more an event and you are able to draw, particularly if it's on the weekends, right? From the Valley, maybe from Mexico, from the North Austin, possibly even, you know, headed out West towards um, the, you know, everywhere Mm -hmm. out West. Um, And maybe even like halfway to Houston, to the East. I mean, bringing this back to Red McCombs, he, he was one of the guys behind trying to get the Saints here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, in it's a nice little segue. Speaking of red, the the McCombs family just bought a very interesting piece of property in downtown. Tell me about that. So yeah, so the McCombs family just bought a 5.9 acre parcel of land from CPS Energy on the Riverwalk. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's east corner of West Jones Avenue and Camden Street. Purchase price twenty nine point five million dollars. Does that sound big enough for a downtown stadium? Five point nine acres. I don't know. They're keeping it real hush-hush with what they want to do with it. It's near... Oh, it's adjacent to the San Antonio Museum of Art. Oh, I, oh, that would be a good place for a ball stadium if you could fit one in on that parcel. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. That's enticing. And and we know that the new owners of the missions want to move downtown. I, I just don't want that. I'm sorry. I'm going to be the guy who says it. Like Minor League Baseball... In downtown, I mean, would I go? Sure. Is it really going to get me pumped up? No. But it's the NFL. The NFL has to be in San Antonio. There has to be it. And I know Jerry Jones would die it, roll over in his grave if he weren't dead already. Or if he was dead already, he would roll over in his grave if San Antonio got a team because he would be losing part of his Cowboys diehard constituency. But that's the sport. That San Antonio can support, right? Like, we don't have the population or the business infrastructure to really support these 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 leagues that need... But you're telling me Cincinnati or, does? I, I, get, I think Cincinnati's, yeah, probably a bigger economic hub than San Antonio. Yeah. To be continued. We'll have okay. to look that I, up. I, I, I think if you maybe did a San Antonio-Austin and Austin-Tonio... And did a ball stadium kind of more in the middle. Oh, God, no. And brought I hate back. that idea, too. And, but but financially and metropolitanly, that's, I think that's the only way it works. It, and, and it does not work if it's 40 games a year or 80 games a year, like in baseball. It doesn't work because people don't want to drive 45 minutes for a regular season game yeah. that's just regular. In the NFL... Regular season games aren't regular. Yeah, they're, they're events. They're events. That's correct. Well, but, when the Spurs moved to Buddha. <laughs> not a good idea. I'm just telling you. You get you're gonna get 
instead of getting half of both cities, you're going to get, you know, a tenth of each, right? That's a that's a turnoff to me. Yeah, and, midway stadium and stuff. and looping back around on your NFL and, and NF football team, I think what the XFL and the USFL because we have USFL coming in about two months as well are going to show, and it, I think it already shows this. The NFL could stand another expansion if they wanted to. I think the NFL could stand another four, six, maybe even eight teams. And if you could make that work, I think it's even more revenue. Well, owners love revenue. And every time you are paying for an expansion franchise, you are buying it. You're buying your franchise from the other owners. And if you're putting it, you're putting a value on it, we'll probably say a billion and a half to two billion because that's a low, what a low level NFL team costs now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, high level, you know, Broncos were four billion, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, recently, the valuation of the Redskins and the Cowboys is over four billion. Um, so, you know, we'll just call it two billion. You get that distributed among thirty owners. Those are those are thirty pretty happy guys. Yeah, they listen. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I think we did. Red McCombs proud. Talked about his things um, in this show. Hey, thank you, San Antonio, for showing out for the XFL. I'm totally impressed. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to catch a game. Not kidding. Yeah, it's 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 okay football. Yeah, it's okay football. Awesome. Hey, man, uh, you guys have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Bob. Peace out. How y'all feel out there? Do you feel good? I said, do you feel good? Come on. The groove feel good when it make you move. Make your next move your best move. Uh-huh.